We'll continue our study this morning. Um, image of the invisible God, the seven I am statements of Jesus. This morning we'll be looking at uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus declares that I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Let me pray and we'll, we'll look at the text together. Father, thank you that you have given us your Son. You have granted us the grace to believe when there's a world just blinded to the truth. May we never take for granted the grace that's been granted to us. We thank you. We praise you. Help us to see more of your Son this morning in Christ's name. Amen. John 14, uh, upper room, Jesus with the 11 disciples. Judas um, was commanded to leave, depart at this point. The Lord says, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or believe on account of the works themselves. Believe me, or truly, truly, rather, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He sends the reading of God's word. Uh, we've all been through distre- uh, stressful times in life, amen? Full witness, full witness, amen, absolutely. There are times in life that um, are particularly um, anxious, troublesome, um, there are times um, that do not go as we, we think they ought to be going. But yet we're told uh, throughout Scripture, um, do not be afraid. Be not troubled. Um, be anxious for nothing. Easier said than done, no doubt. But I am struck um, sometimes how easily followers of Christ um, are rattled by circumstances and 
in response, they run for the hills. They separate from fellowship. They, they, they depart. They're gone. Um, it, it strikes me I'm kind of odd. But yet, um, I do realize, as, as we all should, how fragile um, vessels we are. We're very fragile. And it's no different um, this night um, in the upper room. It's been no different um, throughout time. Um, the words, do not be afraid, <laughs> right? Do not be afraid. That, that's an oft-repeated um, um, echoing sound. It's an echoed command throughout Scripture. Um, it was an encouragement of God um, towards Israel as they were preparing uh, to enter the promised land. Look at some of these texts where God repeatedly says, um, do not fear. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, even when um, facing their enemies... The Lord said in Deuteronomy 1, verse 29, Do not be terrified, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, he will fight for you. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and peoples more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. That is, Yahweh is with you. I am, says the Lord, with you. Here in John chapter 14, um, in Jerusalem, while in the upper room, having finished the last Passover and um, institution of the Lord's Supper, Jesus, speaking to his disciples here uh, by way of you know, the flickering light of numerous lamps, I'm sure, um, that night... Um, the mood there um, is a bit odd. It's a bit unsettled. Um, the disciples are troubled. They're, they're troubled about, they're, they're worried about words that were spoken that night by our Lord Jesus. Um, Judas has curiously departed. Remember, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. He departed. They're scratching their heads thinking he went out to prepare something for the poor or something like that. They don't know what's going on. Um, needless to say, they are troubled. Judas is out to find Jewish authorities so as to sell out the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. And exchange is the key word of our day today, is exchange, as we'll see um, in, in the sermon. But though Jesus knows what hap what's happening, he's, he knows what's going to happen, um, he's in control um, of this night, he, he calmly speaks, that is the embodiment of Yahweh himself, um, calmly speaks to his disciples um, this night. And one of the reasons that they're worried is because Jesus has been saying um, prior to this that I'm going to be leaving you. They've been with him for three plus years. They're dependent upon him. They've grown to love him deeply. And if you look back at chapter 13 and verse 36, he said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow afterward. 
Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. We've been looking at the details of that in our study through Mark. But if you notice, chapter 13 um, ended with Jesus um, addressing Peter alone. And chapter 14 begins with words that are addressed to the entire 11. So the you in verse 38 of chapter 13 is singular. I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And then when you get to chapter 14, verse 1, the the you there is plural. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus goes on here to teach them that, that he is a bridge to somewhere. and He is a bridge to someone. In the midst of their trouble, in the midst of their worry and fear um, about his departure, um, though he has been speaking to them for many months since Galilee, when he started to teach them specifically and directly about his impending death. They don't get it. So notice what he says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Literally, stop allowing yourself to be anxious. Take action and just stop it. What was that skit with Bob Newhart? Remember Bob Newhart? Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart, the show, he was a psychiatrist. And a woman came in as describing her tra- problems, and he goes, well, then, she, he, he said, what's your answer? He goes, just stop it. Yeah. This is what Jesus is saying. Just stop it. Here in Christ's darkest hour, he, he, encouraged them to, he encourages the 11 to, to trust him. Now, verse 1 and 11, verses 1 and 11 serve as Uh, bookends to this section. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 1. Then verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Bookends. Believe me. Trust me. You trust the Father? Trust me. I and the Father are one. He goes on. He continues. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms, literally uh, many dwelling places. And that's in context to their troubled hearts. He talks about heaven. Now, heaven in the New Testament is is referred to as a city, country, a kingdom, my my father's house, and and paradise. So in the midst of their anxiety, he he reminds them of, of heaven. In my father's house are many dwelling places. So in in light of um, imminent trouble. Um, Jesus informs them of a much greater um, reality. I think that's a good lesson for me, for us. So he goes on, he he gives this uh, future promise, verse 2. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Now, we we mustn't misunderstand this passage. I know I've pointed this out before, um, but many think Jesus is up there um, putting together estates. And depending on how big your ministry was down here, 
will determine how close your dwelling place will be to the throne. Okay, that's not the case. The context is that he's going to prepare by going the way of the cross. He goes to prepare. I go to prepare a place for you. So his house is a manner of destiny. Destiny. All built upon the work of Christ. His cross work. So his work is is to go, to to make an entry for his own, and he prepares a righteous way to that place. The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of evil men, be killed, rise the third day. So in other words, in order to get to to heaven, you have to be righteous. Um, It's a restricted, conditional place. Therefore, you need a substitute, and, and he is the only one who provides that way. That way. So heaven um, is a place as much as it is um, a condition, that is, by, by the work of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be in Christ to gain entry. It's conditional. It's all conditioned upon the work of Christ. Amen? Amen? Verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. So the, the way is the means by which the disciples are brought to the Father. You know the way. Jesus says you know because he had previously announced himself as that way. It hasn't hit home yet. If they follow that way, they they will come to where he is. They must must continue. Now, remember, the disciples had a particular view of Jesus. They had a particular worldview um, as regards um, the Messiah, and they they wanted to see according to that worldview. They had expectations of the Lord they had been following, and Jesus just keeps pulling the rug out from underneath them time and time again all the way up to this night, just hours before um, the cross, telling them that they had misunderstood him from the beginning. Very patient, isn't he? This This is another example for us how patient we have to be with one another. It can be difficult. So, verse 5, Thomas then speaks up. He said to him, Lord... We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? You know, Thomas asks a couple questions in the Bible. I think he speaks three times. And forever, throughout the rest of redemptive history, we refer to him as Doubting Thomas. He's he's saying what everyone else is thinking. This night, in this room, in other words, I have no idea what you're talking about, Lord. No idea. Now, back in verse 33 of chapter 13, Jesus said, you cannot come with me. In verse 36, he said again, you cannot come with me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Of course they wouldn't get this. If they cannot follow now, how can they possibly follow later? So Thomas's main concern 
was the fact that Jesus is going to be leaving them. So here, now he wants to solidify in their hearts a, a truth, a claim. I mean, he's been making this claim for, for basically almost three years, but now he uses very brief words, some of the most memorable words ever spoken. Powerful. And notice, he, he, he speaks them without hesitation. He, he speaks them without qualification. And most importantly, he speaks these words without apology. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is not a bolder, more extreme, or audacious statement or claim than that. Would you agree with that? Notice, Jesus does not say, um, I show the way, um, I teach the truth, and I lead you to life. He says, I am. I am the way. This is the sixth of the seven great I am statements of, of Jesus. In, in deep down, let me tell you, this is what every human being is really looking for. Answer, an answer to the question, what happens when I die? I was speaking with a couple guys, after, I think it was Mark and John Frega after um, our study on Thursday night, and uh, we were reminded in our discussion that, you know, man is born with a question mark, burned deep within his soul, stamped right there in the heart of man. And that question, it's not, only, it's not always worded the same, but it's something like this. What is my existence all about? Why am I here? Some break it down a little further, and they'll say, is there anything more than this? And what happens when I die? For some, it's an agonizing search. For others, when it's considered, they attempt to drown out the sound. And we are provided in our day with numerous distractions to drown out the sound in the head, in the heart. Why am I here? What happens when I die? Many people, on the other hand, they, they, they try to convince themselves that God does not exist. Those are the most foolish of all people, for Scripture is clear. It is the fool who says in his heart that there, that there is no God. Or to consider, well, we're just, you know, the product of random chance product of a you know, primordial you know, milkshake. Here we are. When we die, it's over. That's the depressing answer. That's the foolish, depressing answer. Others will say this, yes, oh, God exists. Absolutely. And God is love. Right, we hear that. Yeah, he, he is love. Yes, he is. But that's not all he is. He loves us, and in the end, we're all going to get to heaven, with a few exceptions, of course. Hitler won't be there. 
But, you know, most of us, um, you know, though we may have to wait a while in some purgatory-like place, in the end, because God is love, we'll all be there um, in the end. We're all God's children. He needs us, and he wants us. Does he need us? No. He needs nothing. That's the popular answer. I hear it consistently at funerals. You ever hear that when you go to a funeral? Universalism. Somehow, someway, we all end up together. But there are indeed many ways that seem right to a man. Proverbs is clear. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. You thought you were right, you'll realize in the end you were wrong. So you can be as sincere as you want about what you may believe about this God, small g, and in the end, um, you'll find out you've been sincerely wrong. So Jesus' words here assume something's wrong. If he's the way, the truth, and life, okay, something's wrong with man, um, and he or she, we are not in a right relationship with God. He doesn't sweep things under the rug. Things are disrupted, things are broken, therefore man um, is alienated from God, every single person. So Jesus says, I am the answer. I'm not pointing you to the way, I am the way. I am the way. Now, Jesus is the way in a double manner. He is the way in a double way. Number one, he is the way from God to man. From God to man. All blessings come down from the Father. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Jesus descended first from heaven itself to the lower parts of the earth. First place, the low part, was the womb of a woman. And then the grave of the dead. He descended. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 11. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Okay, So the Son comes from the Father, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So he is the way from, from God to man. He's the only way from God to man, and he's also the way from man to God. So Jesus, the only way from God to man, was God, and as the only way from man to God as man. He's the God-man. Amen? He's the highway of holiness, as the prophet Isaiah declared with regard, context, the coming promised Messiah, um, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Now, John came preparing that way. And here comes Jesus. So God, who's infinite holy, demands absolute holy perfection. That's what he demands and that's how you get to heaven. You have to be perfectly holy. 
That's impossible because all of sin and fall short of the, the glory of God. That's his perfect standard. The wages of sin is death. Okay, something's drastically wrong. You need a way. Death is inevitable. Jesus declared he is the way of escape from the judgment of God, the standard holy perfection, when you die and all die because all sin. I'm the way. He says then, I am the truth. I'm the way. I'm the highway of holiness. I'm the way to the Father because I come from the Father and I am the truth. And in Scripture, truth is a, the, the primary characteristic of Almighty God, of Yahweh. Jesus declares, I am truth. Common thought of the day, truth is relative. Truth is relative. All roads, you know, all systems of belief lead to God. Um, all spokes, whatever they may be, Jesus, you know, Buddha, Confucius, those are spokes that lead to the hub. So long as you're sincere, you know, all temples point to God. Jesus said, everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. My voice. I am truth. So Jesus makes clear um, to believe in any other way is wrong. I am the way. I am the truth. And that is because he, he is the only source of redemptive revelation. Amen? All religious systems, you put them under one umbrella, salvation, peace with God, nirvana, whatever you think about the afterlife, is by way of, of human achievement, human works. Christianity stands alone. Salvation is by way of divine accomplishment alone. The way, who is the truth, the only source of God's redemptive revelation. This is man's need. We've violated his standard. We've spit in his face. We've spit in the face of our creator. We have committed, as R.C. Sproul has coined the term, cosmic treason. Every single one of us. And the only way to get right with God and in his sight is for proper compensation to be made. Atonement. He provides it. For he is truth. I am the way. I am the truth. And the standard of truth, holy profession, is met by one man, and it's this man, the God-man, who comes from God to man and provides a bridge back to God as man. The way, the truth, and he is the life. The way, the truth, I am the life. He's not referring to, to breath that, that merely inhabits our bodies. He has power over the dead. He just raised Lazarus from the grave 
according to this account, just, I don't know, a couple weeks before. He is is life in contrast to death. All die because all sin. He is life. He's the only source of spiritual and abundant life. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What did we learn from that the other day? Abundant life, is it in its fullness here and now for the Christian? No. It flows over, amen? But true abundant life will not be experienced until we pass through the the door. He's the door. I am the door, right? And on the other side of the door is full abundance, ultimately in his glorified presence. But it does overflow to the here and now, abundant life. We, my wife and I, were invited to this party um, last night of our neighbors, if they had. And, you know, they're trying to forge this relationship, and they finally feel comfortable enough to ask us over to one of these things. And, you know, it was just a common, it was a Halloween kind of party. There was kids, there were adults, and grown-ups still dress up, and it's kind of silly. But we went, and, you know, it was nice, but, you know, you get home, and it's like, you know what? And there was nothing bad or, like, evil <laughs> that happened. It's just, you know, we've been given sight to see. Like we see. There's, There's nothing grand about us. Nothing good about me. I've been graced to see and believe this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when you overhear certain conversations, they're none of my business because I'm not in the conversation. But you just kinda in your heart, you're, you're kind of grieved because, ooh, that's just so wrong. That, that philosophy is, is so wrong, and ultimately, um, it leads to theology, and it's just so wrong. And that's not a wag a finger wrong. It's a pity wrong, and, and a thankfulness that, wow, I've been given sight to see what's true and right. You see what I'm saying? It's not a standing up on your tiptoes and, you know, we believe. No. It's, man, we have been granted grace to believe. Grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, according to the word alone, for the glory of God alone, as we'll be reminded of this morning in Reformation Sunday. This is. Jesus said this. He is the only begotten Son of God who gives eternal life eternal life to all who believe. I I believe. I've been graced to believe. He has the very words of life. Jesus said, I have the words of life. And he's the light of life. I am the light of life. John 8, 12. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see, never taste death. Believer, you'll never taste death. Your body will die, but you'll never taste death. You'll never go through some dark chasm or experience of death, let alone second death, because we have life in Christ, who is the way and the truth. We've been given life. So Jesus, because he is truth and life, he is the way, he's the only way. He's truth, he's, he's life. 
Now, the, these disciples this night, as, as troubled as they were, as full of anxiety, no doubt, as they were, um, they knew Jesus was the way, but yet they knew he was the way without full understanding. They didn't realize that the, the, the necessity of truth in life had to be lifted up on a cross. Lift it up. Look at John 12, verse 32. Jesus said these words to these men six days before this night. Six days ago, he said this. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples, all nations to myself. Verse 24, if you back up, chapter 12. He explains it before he talks about being lifted up. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So to give up your life for the one who is life gains eternal life. That's why the call is to repent and believe. To repent, change your thinking. If you think God is like this, well, I say God is like this, that thinking must be repented of, turned away from. And you turn to the one who is the way. He's truth, and he provides life. Without him, you die the second death. Now, we read all those fear knots in the Old Testament. I did that for the purpose to remind us that God was getting ready to do a new work with his old covenant people entering into a promised land. They were going to have to face certain enemies. This is something they hadn't experienced before. He said, fear not. Every time in Scripture, God says, fear not. He never says it unless he's about to do something that they've never seen before. Fear not. Upper room, this night, hours before the cross, he says, I am not just a bridge to a place, not just a bridge to God the Father, but I am the bridge also to the ultimate promised land. And not only am I a bridge I'm the only bridge to the Father. I'm the only bridge to the ultimate promised land. I am the bridge who is here with you. I am God with you. I am Yahweh with you. Amazing. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7 finish this up. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. It's beautiful. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. He's about ready to face the cross. He's the only way. And we're surrounded by people who think there are other ways and they all think they're going to heaven. And that, that famous George Barna poll, I think I brought it up a few weeks ago, um, shows that for every American who thinks that he or she is going to hell, there are 120 people who believe that they're going to heaven. 120 to 1. And yet, they deny Christ. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. He's already referred to himself as a gate, door, shepherd of the sheep, light of the world, bread of life. Here he says he's the way. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many, many who go in by it because narrow is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. That way, Jesus said, is difficult. He said it's difficult. Narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are very few who find it because they deny the truth and the life who is the way. Praise God that you believe this one who is the way, the truth, and the life. I probably quote that verse when evangelizing more than any other verse in the Bible. What do you think about Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then, the next question, well, do you believe he was the Christ or not? And then that just blows the door wide open for giving a reason for the hope that lies within you. Amen? Lord, we do thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, we've been given eyes to see It truly is miraculous. Regeneration is miraculous. And we thank you that you have condescended by um, sending your son, came from you, providing a way back to you is the only way. And that we actually believe and have been given faith to entrust ourselves to you fully and completely. Help our loved ones, neighbors, friends, those in our hearts and minds this morning who, who do not believe. Uh, Lord, may you do that miraculous work in them so that they do believe and entrust themselves to the only way whose truth and life. In Jesus' name, amen.